0: welcome to Evander Bros, your podcast about biblical literacy, discipleship, and historical slash cultural context. I'm your host for the week, George Benson. Unfortunately, um, as Don and I stated in last week's episode, we both have had a lot going on in our lives, and this is one of those weeks where there's a lot going on. So we're still going to try and commit to uh, posting every week like we've done in the past or have tried to do in the past. And sometimes it's going to take different forms. Sometimes it'll be Don and I chatting about a parable or a pseudo-series that we're trying to go through. Other weeks it might just be an interview. Sometimes it might be an old episode, or it'll be a single episode like I'm doing today. Um, and so this is going to be a shorter uh, episode just because I don't really like talking to a mic by myself a lot. It feels weird, um, but it is what it is. Uh, so, all that being said, I'm gonna kind of jump into what I want to talk about this week. Um, basically, I had an idea of sitting down and talking about all the kid or all the good carryovers from when I was deep in the evangelical church, uh, and I sat down to record it, and it didn't go very well. And then I was like, oh. I will do an updated sermon of this sermon that I gave uh, back in 2012. And then I sat down to do that, and that didn't go very well. Um, so I've decided I'm just going to read a couple of things. Uh, one from a book that I discussed last week, another one from a book that I just really enjoy. Uh, and I don't know. We'll see where it goes. So the first one is from the book... Uh, sitting at the feet of rabbi jesus from ann spangler and lois uh teverberg which i'm sure i butchered that name um and it's something that's pulled from the babylonian talmud which is a commentary that was written in babylon or it it was started in babylon oral tradition written down um and it's basically a commentary about torah that's a in just oversimplification of what it is. Uh, so I- here it goes. Uh, and this is page 192 of Zedanthevide of Rabbi Jesus. Listen to what the rabbis say about the relationship between God's mercy and his justice. Greater is the day of rain than the resurrection of the dead, because the resurrection of the dead benefits only the righteous, but rain benefits both righteous and the unrighteous. So If that sounds familiar, it should. It's you know, uh, Jesus does a little riff on that in his Sermon on the Mount. But there's something to that struck me about that, and that's just the idea that, uh, you know, so for so long, depending on what vein of Christianity you come from, we always look forward to the end times. You know, we think Revelation. Is this thing that means everybody is going to get their just desserts? You know, Dunn and I did a whole episode about this way back in uh, the spring. And there was, I don't know, the idea of wanting to postpone the resurrection of the dead or just, you know, saying that a day full of rain is better than what you know we believe the end times to be because it serves both those who air quote deserve it and air quote don't deserve it um and i was just thinking like how 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 much would we change if we brought that perspective to our daily life you know the the actions that i do that are are, are good actions because they don't just benefit those who love me but those who don't love me um and you know if we took that idea serious the you know how how great are you even tax collectors love those who love each other but try and serve and love somebody that you may not love and i don't know if it's because what don and i discussed at the end of last week's episode of atonement versus forgiveness and the life lived before the cross and uh, just all of that. If you haven't listened to the last week's episode, go back and listen to it. That's uh, honestly some of the best stuff that I think we've done in a while. Not just because we haven't recorded in months, but uh, trying to serve those that, uh, or, or just having a mentality of, you know, it's better for a rainy night instead of the day of the Lord, because it rain serves everybody and not just, you know, those who, air quote again, believe the right things. I mean, if we truly loved our neighbor, wouldn't that be the world that we're trying to create? And I'm, you know, again, I'm just spitballing with this episode. Uh, another one is it, uh, it, it's from a book called The Wisdom of the Desert. It's by Thomas Merton. I think I've talked about uh, the Desert Mother and Fathers before. Basically, I've heard them, and this is another seriously oversimplification uh described as the christian version of the essenes basically it's a bunch of individuals that decided to go live in desert communities and give up all of their possessions and everything else to just kind of focus on the gospel and um you know they're they're monks anyway uh so the this is uh a version of some of their sayings that Thomas Merton translated and Thomas Merton was a, a monk. which maybe the next time I do one of these episodes I'll, I'll do one just on Thomas Merton um, okay so this is on page 43 a brother came to abbot pastor and said many distracting thoughts come into my mind and I am in danger because of them then the elder thrust him out into the open air and said open up the garments of your chest and catch the wind in them. But he replied, this I cannot do. So the elder said to him, if you cannot catch the wind, neither can you prevent distracting thoughts from coming into your head. Your job is to say no to them. I can't tell you how many times, especially when I was a young Christian, uh, (laughs) I would get distracted. (laughs) Sorry, I'm getting distracted now. My cats are super excited I'm home and they're racing around and you can probably hear all that. But um, how many times I was distracted during prayer, either at church, at home, trying to meditate, uh, just because, you know, usually that's the, the time that I'm trying to clear my head of everything is when I'm inundated with either shit that I did when I was 12 years old that I'm still super embarrassed about or feel shame about, or the thing I forgot to pick up at the grocery store, or I think about some upcoming thing. It's just, it sucks. And so, you know, I always am uh, trying to rid my mind of that, thinking that I'm doing a bad job with prayer, but that's my own junk. And then, you know, this Thomas Merton quote, um, or this translation. I I just love it, it you know the the idea that um, I just need to think through that let let that thought happen, uh, and then just continue to move forward with that that quiet time or that private time or whatever you want to call it was super freeing for me. Um, because I tend to be. My, my mentality is if I'm trying to do something and I don't do it right the first time, then it's really off-putting for me to try and go back and, and continue to build, be better at. And I know, like, I know that you're never going to be good at something the first time. But the standard that I hold for myself is completely unfair in that way. Um, so just the, the idea of trying to catch the wind... know your thoughts are gonna do just as much harm (laughs) is i don't know for me it was pretty great when i read it the first time okay the last one that i want to read is from a book called the orthodox heretic in other impossible tales it's by a philosopher and theologian named peter rollins um pete's been around for a while if you are familiar with the later workings of rob bell when he was still at mars hill um you probably know pete from that he's uh, originally from belfast and now he's out in la and he's yeah i don't know check him out uh it's got some interesting stuff especially in pyro theology but uh, it's a book of parables that he wrote years ago um and it, this is the first one it's called no conviction in a world where following christ is decreed to be subversive and illegal activity you have been accused of being a believer arrested and dragged before a court You have been under clandestine surveillance for some time now, and so the prosecution has been able to build up quite a a case against you. They begin the trial by offering the judge dozens of photographs that show you attending church meetings, speaking at religious events, and participating in various prayer and worship services. After this, they present a selection of items that have been confiscated from your home, religious books that you own, worship CDs, and other Christian artifacts. Then, they step up the pace by displaying many of the poems, pieces of prose, and journal entries that, you've that you had lovingly written concerning your faith. Finally, in closing, the prosecution offers your Bible to the judge. This is a well-worn book with scribbles, notes, drawings, and underlinings throughout, er, throughout evidence, if it were needed, that you had read and reread this sacred text many times. Throughout the case, you have been sitting silently in fear and trembling. You know deep in your heart that with the large body of evidence that has been amassed by the prosecution, you face the possibility of long imprisonment or even execution. At various times throughout the proceedings, you have lost all confidence and have been on the verge of standing up and denying Christ. But while this thought has plagued your mind throughout the trial, you resist the temptation and remain focused. Once the prosecution has finished presenting their case, the judge proceeds to ask you if you have anything to add. But you remain silent and resolute, terrified that if you open your mouth, even for a moment, you might deny the charges made against you. Like Christ, you remain silent before your accusers. In response, you are led outside, as, uh, outside to wait as the judge ponders your case. The hours pass slowly as you sit under guard in the foyer waiting to be summoned back. Eventually, a young man in uniform appears and leads you into the courtroom so that you may hear the verdict and receive your word of punishment. Once you have been seated in the dock, the judge, a harsh, unyielding man, enters the room, stands before you, looks deep into your eyes, and begins to speak. Of the charges that have been brought forward, I find the accused not guilty. Not guilty? Your heart freezes. Then, in a split second... The fear and terror that had moments before threatened to strip your resolve are swallowed up by confusion confusion and rage. Despite the surroundings, you stand defiantly before the judge and demand that he give an account concerning why you are innocent of the charges in light of the evidence. What evidence, he replies in shock. What about the poem and the prose that I wrote, you reply. They simply show that you think of yourself as a poet and nothing more. But what about the services I spoke at, the times I wept in church and the long, sleepless nights of prayer? Evidence that you are a good speaker, actor, and nothing more, replied the judge. It is obvious that you deluded those around you, and perhaps at times you even deluded yourself, but this foolishness is not enough to convict you in a court of law. But this is madness, you shout. It wouldn't seem that no evidence would convict you. Not so, replies the judge as if informing you of a great, long-forgotten secret. The court is indifferent toward your Bible reading and your church attendance. It has no concern for the worship with words and a pen. Continue to develop your theology and use it to paint pictures of love. We have no interest in such armchair artists who spend their time creating images of a better world. We exist only for those who would, or who would lay down that brush and their life in a Christ-like endeavor to create a better world. So until you live as Christ and his followers did, until you or until you challenge this system and become a thorn in our side, until you die to yourself and offer your body to the flames, until then, my friend, you are no enemy of ours. So I heard that probably back in 2012. Um, And i had been familiar with Pete's work for a few years before that. But that one, every time I read it... um, Because I I spend a lot of time with introspection, especially if I'm studying or um, reading or listening to a podcast or a book or whatever. Um, I spend a lot of time trying to digest what it is I think about that, where it lines up with myself. Um, and chances are I'll probably do a lot of journaling or writing about it because I, I, I tend to overcomplicate for myself the ability to just go out and do, um, which may be the tying theme in these three things that I, that I read today. Either way, I've been talking too long. Uh, that's so these are just books that have been a part of my journey uh, very influential um, and you know I I enjoy the ability to be open and honest with you all about that because it's tough. the shit's tough <laughs> and, and it doesn't seem like it ever gets any easier. Uh, and that's okay. Because, you know, at the end of the day, we're all in this together. So, that being said, uh, if you are on our Patreon account, we're going to be putting up a uh, Patreon exclusive episode here in the next week. Um, maybe two weeks depending on how things go and you know head on over to Apple Podcasts give us a rate and review five stars always helps it gets us into a larger group of people for listening and we're on Facebook Twitter and Instagram at Evangel Bros and uh, if you have any questions suggestions reflections shoot us an email at at gmail.com and that's about it um, there's links in the show notes for the three books I uh, highly recommend checking them out. Um, and there's also links to works that Don and I do, Don's website, my website, our Patreon account. And yeah, all that being said, have a great week, everyone. Oh, I almost forgot. We just hit our 10,000th download. So since we started the podcast uh, back in, I think, March of 2017, um, we are now at 10,000 downloads. So thanks so much. So continue to share this thing we really appreciate it. Now, all of that being said, I'm your co-host George. Have a great week, everyone.